This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook is all about building towards a greater tomorrow. So I asked product designer Earl Carlson where he sees Facebook going into the future. Uh, I think that it has the potential to be one of the backbones for communication across the globe. Again, we just hit 2 billion people globally, which is a fifth of the um, population of the world or a fourth of the population of the world, rather. And I think that there's a really, really strong chance for Facebook to be in the space where people think of communication moving forward. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at provisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Dockyard is looking for a senior UX and visual designer. Vox Media is looking for a new VP of design. Friendly Design Company is looking for a mid-level interactive designer. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for a design writer to join our team. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. MailChimp gives you the marketing tools you need to be yourself on a bigger stage. So whether that's for corporate business or just freelance work, you can join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to grow their businesses on their own terms. And with integrated Facebook and Instagram advertising, now you can find new customers and reconnect with others. Sign up for a free account today at MailChimp.com. MailChimp. Send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding the perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. Hover has over 400 domain extensions, including the classics like .com or .net, uh, niche extensions like .design or .tech, and even quirky extensions like .pizza, .ninja, and .horse. Once you find your domain, you can use Hover Connect to set up your domain with your website in just a few clicks. Find a domain name for your idea. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional, business, or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround lets you build better, faster, safer websites more easily, and they offer multiple hosting options that your website can grow into. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. Now for this week's interview. This week I'm talking with Antonia Neighbors, a lead UI designer in Brisbane, Queensland. Let's start the show. 
All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. I'm Antonia Neighbors, and I'm a lead user interface designer. Talk to me kind of about the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, so recently I've just um, taken a full-time role. I've kind of been contracting for the past few years. So an interesting role came up and I I decided why not. So I've been um, working in-house a tech startup that's in the private sector of in-home aged care. And at first it didn't sound super interesting, but it's actually a very interesting and upcoming industry. So what we're kind of doing there is trying to find ways to bring technology into that industry and really just be able to go digital with it because it's still quite an offline, paper-based, Excel document-based industry. So finding ways to introduce tech to a target audience that could be quite older and quite younger, depending on you know their family, has been really interesting. So I'm really enjoying it. Walk me through sort of a typical day of, of kind of what you're doing. You say it's, it's in-house home care. So I'm wondering like what kind of tasks and things you might be working on. The tech team that we have in-house, it's at the moment, the company is quite new. It's called Five Good Friends, and they've only just started probably a little bit over a year ago. We've been lucky to be able to start from, even though I've only been there for a couple of months, we've been lucky to be able to really adjust our process. So a typical day, um, depending on what we're doing, we do a lot of workshops within the tech team. So it's me as the designer, a product manager, and three engineers. So we generally pick a goal if it's maybe a new feature in the app and we spend two to three days workshopping that idea out. And it's really interesting because we go in there with just a couple of nouns and we go, this is what we want to achieve. How are we going to do it? And we go through two to three days of workshopping that out and really coming up with a deliverable at the end. So by that stage, a typical day for me is usually just coming in and focusing on the deliverable that we've come up with over the next few weeks. And we work in eight-week sprints, so design doesn't always take that long. So, yeah, I kind of just focus on the design aesthetics of the brand and what we're introducing feature-wise. And now you've kind of worked all over Australia with, uh, with doing UI. You said you just settled into this particular role. Where are some other places that you've worked, if you can mention those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was in Sydney for about seven years before moving up here. And I've worked in a lot of like international agencies, CAP at Nitro. I think they've got offices in Northeast Atlanta and a couple other places throughout America and the UK. Razorfish, who also has offices all over the shop. Uh, I've spent some time at Saatchi and Saatchi. So a lot of agencies. And then when I kind of moved up to Brisbane, I was lucky enough to kind of follow that agency through with SAP and Nitro and be able to work in their offices up here for a little bit before I decided to maybe switch up what I was doing a little bit, you know, kind of getting jaded on the industry, on the agency life. (laughs) I was about to ask, like, I know that we've got a, a lot of designers that have sort of come through the show. Some of them are freelancers, some of them are agency, and it's always interesting kind of seeing what that that mix was. How was it for you? Was it more stressful with agencies than it is with what you're doing now with the startup? Yeah, it's stressful in different ways. I mean, I try to be a pretty relaxed person in general. I'm not one of those people that feels like I need to do stuff outside of my job role to impress people. I really like to be focused on what I do. So in terms of like a work-life balance, you do have those nights where you're working really late in agency land and it's and it's expected, you know, and it's like, If you don't want to work those late hours, people think, oh, that's weird that you wouldn't want to do that. This is what you got into. And I think when with the role that I'm in now, it's a lot more cruisy, but in a good way, because 
I have a good work-life balance and I'm creating stuff that I really love creating. And even though like sometimes you get projects that come in and agencies that are, a lot of them are just the bread and butter. So they're not always the, the most fun work. I would have to say agency wise, they always have really great culture to kind of balance out maybe more of the mundane work. So in that aspect, I've made super rad friends through all these agencies I've been at. But work-wise, it's just not really where I want to be anymore. Yeah. I guess it's somewhat comforting to know that agencies are like that everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They are. And yeah, it's interesting because when you do work in agency land, you have people from the UK, people from South Africa, and they've all got the same mentality because they've all worked in these agencies no matter where they are. Mm -hmm. What was your time like in Sydney? I mean, outside of kind of the the agency life, was there a big design community there? They actually do have a really good um, design community. They've got like a general assembly there and they run a lot of workshops and things like that. And then we get we get a majority of design conferences that come through, a lot of tech conferences as well. We get UX Australia and all those hit Sydney. So if you can get to those, that's really great. And it is a really supportive industry as well because it's a city, but it's quite a small city. So once you've worked at a couple places, it's kind of like, you know, everyone. So it's really lucky in that aspect to have been able to hop around when I was contracting to different companies and um, really be able to make relationships and find new things to do in that industry. I have a majority of my friends are designers, so it's pretty rad to be able to stay in contact with them and bounce ideas and stuff off of them and then be able to get a beer with them as well. So, <laughs> And now you're currently in, in Brisbane. What's the design scene like there? There's not much. In that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like not that big of a design scene, to be honest. It's a couple agencies have offices here, but they're pretty small and they don't really get many of the design conferences up here. It's actually interesting because they do have a bit of a, um, a UX industry. So I've kind of gotten into that a bit just because there's not much out there for visual design and user interface design to kind of go to. So I've been doing some product design meetups and UX Australia Slack groups and stuff like that to kind of get my foot in the industry up here. Now, is it far between those two cities? I'm not, you know, super familiar. I know kind of some of where the big cities are, you know, in Australia, but is it far between Sydney and Brisbane? Yeah, so they're both on the East Coast, but Sydney is south. So if you were if you were to fly, it'd be an hour and a half flight. If you were to drive, it'd be maybe a 12-hour drive. Okay, all right. Yeah, so it's not too bad if you want to get back. Do you end up kind of going back and forth often? I went back last weekend. My sister um, moved out to Australia, so I uh, went down to see her and catch up with some friends. And when I was uh, living up here as well, I was still kind of flying down to some offices down there because that's where the majority of the work was still at. So, um, yeah, go down there quite a bit. Now, you mentioned your sister moved there, and you moved there about 10 years or so ago, right? A little, little less than 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. What was the catalyst for you to move to Australia? That's actually an interesting one. Being the um, the nosy designer I am, I was on good old MySpace back in the day, and there was um <laughs> there was an ad, and I was looking at this ad, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty nice campaign they're running. I'm like, curious, what what agency is running this campaign? And the ad was, I think it was Work and Play in Sydney, and I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I'll just enter it. <laughs> so I just like put my details in. And then a few months later, I was just working. I got a phone call, and I was like, what is this? What I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, that contest that you entered, you won it. And it was like, I just like, yeah, so I just had made a video about being like a junior designer and stuff like that. And they ended up flying me over here and 
getting me a job at the agency that did all of the campaign material for them. And they also had me doing some blogging just like, you know, to kind of uh, promote Americans to come to Sydney. Mm -hmm. And then after that kind of wrapped up, I just did a little bit of traveling and then came back to Sydney and thought, I guess I'll just stay and keep designing. I mean, that seems like the most ideal situation to, to move to another country. They, You enter a contest, you win, they fly you out, they kind of roll out the red carpet in a way, and then you get a chance to really experience it, I think, in a way that sort of gives you a bit of a safety net, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And it was easier to go back to America if I wanted to, but I just decided to stay and just try a new culture and you know see what the design industry was like out here and just try something different. Now, outside of, you know, kind of the the agency madness, have you found that the work cultures are very different? Yes, they are very different. I find America's, it's very, it's very fast paced. You have a lot of people not being able to take all the holiday or vacation time they want because they don't get the time for it. It seems like people in America are always stressed out about their jobs, stressed out about if I don't do this or I don't do that, they, they'll replace me. That's and I've, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never gotten that feeling here. Like, first of all, you get, if you're a full-time employee, you get four or more holiday weeks. So you can take off a month to go to a different country, stuff like that. And then I also just find, and it could just be because a lot of the major cities here are close to the coast and they have kind of have that, that coast beachy cruisy culture that summer, and we, you know, a lot of companies do summer hours and, People knock off and it's still sunny in the summer and people go to the beach. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool in that aspect that like, you know, you can kind of I would imagine it would be somewhat like that in L.A. from time to time because you're right next to the beach. But I find the culture a lot more laid back when it comes to work. People seem to be a little bit less stressed here. That's good. I would imagine that it's sort of and well, I'm saying I would imagine I am purely basing this off of like 1980s Austro-American relations like crocodile dundee all that <laughs> kind of stuff. i'm clearly basing it off of hollywood field stereotypes but i would imagine that it is a lot more laid back there even people that i've met from australia have a i don't know there's sort of this air about them that's very it's akin a bit to how southerners are i mean i'm from the south it's, yeah. it's kind of like laid back things will happen when they happen it's very i don't know it's kind of a mix between laid back and hippie-ish sort of i don't know yeah, you definitely, that's definitely some of the vibes that you get in uh, more of those beachy cities. It's cool to be able to have a city near the beach, so can't complain there. <laughs> now, you mentioned when you were back in the States and you, you did this contest, you were a junior designer. How did you first get interested in design? What was the, the spark that made you want to do this? Yeah, well, to be honest, I've always kind of, I've always kind of been interested in design from a technology standpoint, for instance, just kind of using a computer to create things so I was like a kid like in MS Paint drawing things like ooh, what's the most realistic thing I can make in MS Paint not much and then I kind of ventured into a lot of like the GeoCities websites and started doing stuff in there so I was always kind of interested in it but before I even knew it was like an industry that you could work in so when I was in high school we had Full Sail University come to our high school and speak and when they came and spoke, I was actually really interested in the computer animation course, you know, like Pixar movies and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to this school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. But in like the first, like one of the first orientations for like computer animation, it's like, you have to know physics. And I was like, all right, how can I switch? 
<laughs> I did not want to do math for a living. So I went and I switched out and I switched to um, digital media and digital art and design. And a lot of those courses were, I guess the really cool thing about those courses where they kept it very broad and the skills that you could take out of it. So we did courses on 3D animation, quick courses on video editing, courses on traditional art. Obviously, there is web design in there. There is a bit of CSS and HTML. So they left it quite open for people to be able to still pick a career path and not drill them down into, you know, you have to be a web designer. So at Full Sail, they did like a lot of um, final projects, final presentations and stuff like that. And I was always picked for those and always kind of just trying to design websites and stuff like that. So I feel like I was, was very lucky in the sense that I've always been interested in something. I studied it and I'm still doing it. I know like a lot of people, they go and they study and then they get out and they change careers and then they go back and study. So I've been really lucky and fortunate that I've always loved, like I've always loved the digital industry and I'm still working in it and I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Full Sail really kind of helped prepare you for this to, to get yeah. out and be a working designer. Yeah, well, it was actually when I went there, it wasn't a university yet, I think based on the number of students. And it was called Full Sail Real World Education, which meant you were in school for eight hours a day. So four hour lectures, four hour laps. And then they try to prepare you for the real world. So sometimes they would schedule your app, your like lab from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Whoa. Um, yeah. So and you'd have like, or like a 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Or like a real like so they were trying to schedule all these labs for your projects as if you were working in the real world. It is very true to the real world. I mean, you do have those times where you're working really late, but it's not all the time, <laughs> thankfully. So yeah, they really did prepare people, but and it was also like a fast-paced school, so you can kind of go and do your four-year bachelor degree in two years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't actually even make it through; they end up dropping out because it's just so fast-paced. I think, you know, people go to college thinking they're going to get this experience when they're going to join a sorority or a fraternity and drink and like skip classes and like really like party where you weren't really able to do that here just because, you know, you're going to school five days a week for eight hours, like like a job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a technical school. It's not like a I mean, I don't want to say it's not like a four year art school, but it's not in that way. And a lot of those for profit sorts of schools are like that. It's more about making sure that you're getting in and getting the skills that you need instead of, I guess, the quote-unquote college experience. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people go with this idea of, oh, this school is so cool. Look at the labs. Look at this and look at that. And they learn Photoshop and they learn Illustrator. But if you can't back it up with actual visualization of what good design is, you probably just won't make it. And a lot, of, I think, I would say about maybe – 30 to 40% of the people that I graduated with are still working in the industry. That's good. That's really good. Is that, is that good? I think I so. Be, I mean, this right. changes so quickly. You yeah. Know? <laughs> if you're still able to do it after, after that long, I think that's a good, that's a good shot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's been guests that I've had on the show that have done the traditional kind of four year, like a Micah or a RISD or something. And what I've sort of gained from talking to them is that it was difficult once they kind of stepped out into the world as a working designer, because even though their schools taught them about design and art and stuff, it wasn't in a way that I guess could make them, I don't want to say a good employee, but that sounds like the best way to put it. Like it, it didn't train them for what the working world would be like. It sort of gave them a lot of concepts 
and gave them the ability to sort of have portfolio pieces, but not kind of that missing link to how do we connect this with business or with strategy so we can kind of, you know, make it more well-rounded. And it sounds like that's what you got at full sale was kind of that kind of, you know, well-rounded real world experience, real world experience. Like, like yeah, that's yeah. Called. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that's it. It's like when you're in, when you're in college, it's like, it's like, Oh, final presentations you have three months to do this one piece. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to make this the best piece ever. And like, that's just not realistic to what the industry actually is. You've got like, you don't have three months. Now you have three hours, you know? So it's quite more fast paced when you get out here in the real world and start working. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just totally different from being in university, but you just have to kind of push through that. And I think the main thing is when you kind of make that transition from college to your actual career path, that you have to kind of be willing for change to happen because it's it's not easy. So I think people realize that this is not easy at all and they end up just not giving it a chance and just switch, switching careers. Yeah. They think they have this idea like, you know, like, Oh, when I was in college, I did we- I made a website. Now I'm just um, doing changes to websites. It's like that's kind of the reality of it, of working your way up in the industry, and it, you'll get there eventually. You just have to suck it up and wait to, and you know, put put in the hours. Yeah, and you know, honestly, this industry changes so fast. The tools that we use are shifting at a rapid pace. You know, I mean, when I well, let's see, I graduated college in in 2003. I was a math major. I didn't go to design school. So graduated in 2003, got my first design job in 2005. And around that time, that was when people were like heavily using Dreamweaver for mm-hmm. everything. I don't know a single designer now that, that even touches Dreamweaver. And that's, well, let's see, 2005 to 2017. That's like, what, 10 years ago? And even though the 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 industry itself is fairly new in terms of it being in, you know, associated with technology. I mean, I think about all the things that have changed even from like from then to now in terms of tools. Of course, there's Dreamweaver. People started going back to like text-based IDEs like Sublime Text. There's now, you know, things like Framer that you can use or Figma where you're collaborating with teams. Like the tools are just changing so rapidly to the point where what you might have learned in school is obsolete by the time you start working somewhere i know exactly and actually one of the cool things that full cell does but obviously it kind of only works for you if you live in orlando is they offer any graduate the chance to come back and learn and take classes for free to learn the new tools really um yeah yeah so it's like very very cool very cool but um yeah i mean yeah seriously (laughs) but yeah i mean tools are just changing i think you know like you said we were using dreamweaver like eight, 10 years ago, I think, you know, when we look down the, the microscope of the next eight to 10 years, we're going to all be looking back, sorry, Adobe, but we'll be looking at, back at Photoshop and being like, oh, I can't believe we used to use Photoshop to design websites. Uh, uh, that's true. I mean, that's really even starting to happen now. You're, I'm definitely yeah. seeing that Photoshop sketch split of like, mm-hmm. there are some people that are, are fully into sketch and they're mostly folks that are on Mac because sketch is only on Mac, but a lot of my Windows folks, I'm on Windows too. We are using Photoshop. Well, actually, I'm using Photoshop. I'm using Affinity Designer as well. I'm trying to to break out of my shell <laughs> to try to you know try to do tools. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of this stuff is changing. Even the, you know, we're talking about the software, but even the hardware as well. I mean, if you have like an iPad Pro, 
you're able to do all this stuff on touch interfaces that, you know, we weren't able to do less than 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. Like back when like we were like, yeah, back then it was like you would, it was like a dream. Like it was not something that was realistic to be able to touch a screen to, with a pen and design. We were like, imagine if you can do that, you know, and now, <laughs> and now illustrators are doing it all the time. So it's just really awesome. All the hardware and technology and software that has been able to really be able to support designers and their creativity. Now, when I've talked with other international guests, you know, they kind of mentioned that, you know, in terms of like design trends or interaction trends or tech trends, they tend to look to the U.S., I guess, because a lot of stuff is innovating here or starting here first, at least. Is that kind of the case for you in, in Australia? Are you finding that there's a lot of looking towards the states to see kind of what they're doing to to, I guess, inform what you all should be doing there in Australia? Yeah, sometimes. I think it kind of depends. I think we definitely look towards the U.S. for um, tech because, you know, you guys are really starting to break into VR and um, industries like that where it's not even people are hardly even thinking about virtual reality in Australia. So we're quite behind in that aspect. So we do look to America for those kind of technology trends. Um, I think from a design point of view in terms of that, you know, I I do digital design. Uh, I, a lot of the resources that I use are really like a collaboration and collection of designers from all over the world. And then once you do find new design trends, you kind of suss out where they're from. And a lot do tend to link back to the US. But I also find a lot of design trends coming from the UK. They seem to have quite a, a big influence on what we're doing in design. Yeah, just mainly from a tech perspective. And I think it's just I think the internet just has brought people together so much that from a design point of view, we're not really looking to any country per se in terms of what people are doing. We're kind of just looking to the internet and seeing who's on it and what they're doing. And it kind of just seems to branch out to different continents. But yeah, the U.S. is always doing cool things. And I think from an ad- uh, advertising point of view, they always seem to be doing cool things. And I try to keep up with, uh, as lame as it sounds, commercials <laughs> in America to kind of see what they're doing and see how... I guess, ballsy they're being in the ads because I find sometimes Australia is, they're scared, they're reserved, they kind of break out and be different and be bold and make a statement. And I think America has never been afraid to make that statement. And I think people, like at least me, I really respect their, their I guess, determination to break out of that shell and do that. So it's, So I definitely look to America for things like that. And then, you know, you pitch them, you go, oh, they're doing this in America. We can do this. We can do that. And everybody gets so excited. And then they go, ooh, too risky. <laughs> yeah, when I've talked with, with some people that are in, kind of, I guess, in the UK, yeah, like in the UK or either ones that are in Africa, they say that they look to the UK because they tend to be stronger on, like, branding. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say kind of Europe in general. like Yeah, Europe, yeah. <laughs> logos and branding yeah like like the netherlands as well the netherlands is really strong with that kind of stuff yeah and then like with the u.s it's it's more tech stuff and i know like you mentioned vr i i don't want to say to me vr still feels a little bit like a gimmick like it's still Mm. not to the point where it's at mainstream adoption levels yet yeah no way yeah and i mean and i've talked i've had some show that's like on google vr team and i'm like yeah what's it gonna take to for vr to break into the mainstream and he didn't know <laughs> which i guess is good because it keeps him in a job but like yeah like it's we're trying a lot of different stuff i mean some stuff works some stuff doesn't work 
but yeah, VR is something I'm still, I mean, personally, I'm still kind of like, eh, I don't know. I, I tried the Google Cardboard thing. It was like a nice gimmick, but like, I don't see where I would use this every day. Yeah, you're not putting on car- cardboard goggles. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> well, for yeah. us that are, you know, in the States and the majority of our listening audience is here in the States, what do we need to know about the Australian design scene, about the Brisbane design scene? What, what should we know about that? I think sometimes people don't realize that there's actually some really great designers that come from Australia because they actually do have some really good design schools and and those designers are really coming out of school hungry and like wanting to get out there in the in the industry. So definitely like I would say the rest of the world should definitely not be afraid to look to Australia for inspiration because it's definitely out there. I mean, we've got some really great design scenes, especially I mean Melbourne is awesome for design. I mean, they're always producing really cool, really modern, really inspirational work. So I definitely would urge people to get out there and find some Australian agencies and find the work they're doing and being inspired by, you know, all these designers down under. Is there much diversity in the design community there? I mean, diversity here seems to be a very different thing. Diversity in America, you know, it's obviously male female but it's also very heavily diversity is a very heavy thing in race in america and here it doesn't really like seem to sway that way i've I've worked at companies and they have you know diversity programs but those diversity programs are just focusing on females you know it's not focusing on cultural differences really and we do get a lot of um you know there's if you work with a lot of developers you get a lot of developers that come from india you get a lot of people that are from South Africa that moved to Australia and the UK, but at the same time, they're all Caucasian, but they still do have their own culture. So mm-hmm. it's quite different in that aspect. From, I guess, an Indigenous point of view, I have, I have never worked with an Aboriginal employee. I've never had a colleague that was Aboriginal in Australia, which is, which is sad because that's like being in America and saying, I've never worked with anyone who was Native American in my industry. So it's pretty sad that there is quite that divide still between modern Australia and indigenous Australia. And I would love to see those borders kind of broken down a little bit more to kind of, because there's a couple of indigenous design websites out there and they're doing awesome things. Um, And it's just, how do you collaborate with them and how do you bring them to be more aligned with the industry? I'm not sure. (laughs) I would say here in the U.S. that probably is a very rare thing to say, like, oh, if I've, I've never worked with a – well, I would say it's not a rare thing for someone to say that they haven't worked with a Native American designer. I know AIGA here did their design census survey last year, and I want to say Native American was probably, like, the least represented group, like, five – one hundredths of a percent or something like that. It was not well represented, you know. And I think that is because at least here in the in the US, of course there's a I mean you're from the US, there's a dubious reputation that this country has with its native population. And it's there's a dubious thing that Australia has with its its native population. There is an Aboriginal designer I know there and I'm trying to get her on the show actually. Her name is Linda Kennedy. That's her name. Okay. She has a website called Future Black. I think it's it's cool. futureblack.org or future-black.org, something like that. And I know that she's doing a lot of work around trying to to bring 
our recognition to Aboriginal designers. When I spoke with Dory Tunstall, this was like back in 2015 or so, something like that. Uh, when I spoke with her, when she was teaching at, uh, I think it was University of Swinburne in Melbourne, some of her work also dealt with kind of learning about the Aboriginal population, not necessarily from a design standpoint, but more from an anthropological standpoint. I would love to to talk with some Aboriginal designers because I'm just I'm just super curious about kind of how do they work? Like how is it? And I'm just interested. From I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm getting tongue tied here trying to talk about it. But I think I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. That it's it's something where it's it's a rarity, but also you know these are people that were there on the continent first. They're part of society and. I know that I've heard a lot of negative things, unfortunately, about kind of the perception and the treatment of Aboriginal people in Australia. So I'm curious to know if there are designers out there that are working, like, what are they working on? How do they draw from their culture with the work that they do? How do they feel they're a part of the design community? You know, that sort of thing I feel is is important to, to recognize and to showcase. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is, if you're Aboriginal, that is black in Australia, you know, so it's like, like it would just be great to see a less of a, a divide between the cultures and really bring it together. But I mean, they have like, as a culture, they have really awesome artwork and, you know, every piece of art means something and every piece of art is a story. So it's just like really interesting the things they do and like what the colors represent. And, you know, it's always, it always roots back to the earth. And it's just, they just do some really awesome things. And it would be so great to be able to see it tied more into, you know, digital. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Australia is there in the Pacific Ocean. It's close to Indonesia. It's close to Papua New Guinea. Are you finding that there's sort of an influx of Asian designers as well? Yes, there are a lot of Asian designers in, I guess, Melbourne and uh, Sydney, but they have usually studied here. So it's not like they studied over somewhere in Asia then came here to design. It's more so they've their parents sent them off to Australia for college and then they kind of got into the industry here. So I guess once you kind of go through school in a country, kind of you're kind of part of that culture. So I have worked with a lot of people from Malaysia, Vietnam as well. Vietnam is quite a large presence in Melbourne, a lot of the universities down there, and then a lot of people from China as well. Nice. Sounds like Australia kind of is a, a bit of a melting pot just based on its location, but also because I think of its sort of former status as it being an English colony. Like you say, there are people that are coming from the UK, people that are coming from South Africa. So it's like a big mix of cultures in, in one place. Yeah, totally. How is your life different in Australia? I know you've been there for a while now, so it's probably just it's what your life is now, but... Are there things that you you miss that you did in the U.S. that you don't do in Australia? Like, what has it been like? Has it been easy kind of acclimating yourself to the culture there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a crazy culture shock, that's for sure. They have, you know, maybe some slang words that are a little bit different. But I think the hardest part as a designer, when I moved over here, I was still doing a little bit of print work. Mm-hmm. So there was that converting to the metric system was, uh-huh. like, really hard. <laughs> And then I remember I was like, just little things. I remember somebody gave me some edits and, they, and you know, they had all these edit marks on it. And one was like, I had a full stop. And I was like, what's a full stop? Wow. <laughs> it's a, what we call a period. 
<laughs> just <laughs> things like that where I think like obviously as years go by it's a lot easier and it kind of just becomes second nature but in the beginning the cult like from a work perspective it was kind of a little bit shaky to kind of change to all of that stuff that they're using here yeah I can imagine like I guess the easy thing is that you know English is the official language so it wasn't like yeah. you had to become that hurdle also yeah totally <laughs> what's your dream project to work on is there anything that you would really love to to do either on your own or with a company or anything like that yeah I mean I don't think I have necessarily a dream project in terms of what it is I think I more so have a dream team yeah so project wise I can have fun on any project as long as the passion is there and the team is right. I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm working in, in, in home aged care at the moment. So <laughs> it's not necessarily like I need, I need a subject that's really crazy and out there, but it's for me, it's more so about having the right team, having the right UX designers, having the right front end engineers and everyone being passionate about what they do and just being able to get together as a team and have the same vision and being able to create the same goal. Like to me, that sounds fun. What is it that keeps you motivated and inspired with your work? From like a motivation point of view, like I guess I'm just motivated to, I get quite motivated as a female in design to be able to kind of be doing really awesome things and people being able to finally notice them. So that keeps me quite motivated to just always be evolving skill sets and putting my work out there in the world and getting positive feedback from it, not just because I'm a female, but because it's good work. And I guess, you know, and then from like an inspirational point of view, I'm just inspired by the passion that people have in, a, in, in digital to be able to just look at it with, you know, I, I still like look at like the digital world with like a rose colored glasses. I'm like, ah, oh, everything's so cool. Look at all the technology. And I'm just like really inspired by the technology that keeps coming out and the way that we're able to adapt technology for design. And I think before we used to be so reliant on what a designer could create, you know, it used to be, you know, add the bevels, add the drop shadows and all this crazy stuff. And now it's like, make it super simple and add really rad technology to it. Yeah, I'm really finding, you know, kind of as we go on, technology is starting to inform more of what design does, at least, you know, of course, with digital design, that's certainly the case. But you're also seeing how technology is really getting into other areas of design. It's getting into industrial design. It's getting into fashion design. It's getting into all these other sorts of design disciplines. So it's, it's certainly not something that we're going to escape anytime soon. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's really interesting to see what that next innovation is going to be. And how the industry is going to change to hopefully, you know, fit that. Yeah, yeah. What's the most useful piece of advice that you've you've ever gotten? I mean, I would imagine, you know, moving to an entirely new country and, and kind of starting your professional life there. What's been the advice that has kind of kept you going through all that? I mean, I've worked with some really great, like, design directors and people who have been an advocate for me as a designer. And I think a common thread that kind of everybody always says is just to keep going in the, in the sense of you have a good style of design just keep going and don't let what people have to say hold you back because it's an industry that you can get jaded in really fast just because you know sometimes you work with assholes and they make you feel like maybe you shouldn't be a designer anymore and to just be able to hold on to words of people saying that 
you are actually a good designer, keep going and you'll get past all those hurdles and you'll break through it all. I think the pieces of advice that I get from people that you really respect, even if they're really small, like, oh, keep going, you know, you're good, even though they don't seem like huge pieces of advice because you respect those people. They feel a lot bigger than they actually are. And that's really been motivating to me as a female in design because when you work in a lot of agencies, it is quite a boys club. And to be a female designer, I think the statistic is more over 50% of women are more likely to work in-house than they are at an agency or freelancing. And it's a confidence thing, you know? A lot of females don't feel like they have enough confidence to compete with the males in their industry. So that's just crazy to me. But I guess, you know, everybody has their own vices. But I really just want to see women keep going in the industry and to not let males feel have them feel like they can't like achieve what they want to achieve as designers because you know to me design has no gender have you had any mentors also you mentioned kind of these you know these creative directors and people were there anyone any mentors in particular that really helped you out not really but as i was saying earlier i have been fortunate enough to pop around to a lot of different agencies and make a lot of designer friends so I still keep in touch really closely with a lot of designers that I worked in in the past that we it's kind of a give a give and take relationship on both of our parts. So I've got like maybe like three really good friends and we all are like in a sock group together and, you know, we shoot work through to each other. I'm like, what do you think of this? And just give me a brutal, honest opinion. And being able to have people like that that aren't necessarily mentors, but people who you feel like you can turn to for your career. It's really nice to have that. I could imagine but if I didn't have that support of all these other design, designer friends that I have, it'd be a lot more difficult to feel like what I'm doing is right, <laughs> in a sense. I actually ended up starting um, an Aussie design Slack group and just a place that all designers in Australia can kind of get together. And if you have a piece of work you need, need critique to flick it through and people give you some honest feedback. So... I think less mentors, more of supporters that are also in the same industry has been really good for me. I've never really felt like I per se needed a mentor and someone to turn to in my career. I just need the support of other designers that I value their opinions of. Yes, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, certainly to be as driven as you are to have moved to another country and started like this, it seems like you've got, I mean, you're, I don't want to say you got your head on straight. That's, I, I hate that phrase, but it seems like you really know kind of the trajectory that you want your career and your life to go. And that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really enjoying like, you know, kind of being in the product design realm. It's something different to me. And I think the ultimate goal would be eventually to be a little bit less on the tools and be able to support, you know, more junior and midweight designers. But for now, I'm quite enjoying being able to just be passionate about the work that I'm currently working on, no matter kind of what it is. What do you want to accomplish for the rest of this year? I think like personally, because I'm quite new to Brisbane, it would be great to be able to just get myself a little bit more established in terms of a social group and just being able to, you know, look up potentially like if I like Brisbane enough, maybe buying something up here. But I don't like it just seems like, oof, I don't know if I want to make that kind of commitment because, you know, I've kind of been thinking, you know, it would be it's cool to be a citizen of America still because it's always in the back of my mind like, hmm, 
should I move back there? They're doing cool things. But like from like the next year, I kind of just want to get established here more in Brisbane. And then since I'm a, you know, a full-time employee now, it'd be great to just be able to structure the brand and the, and the design and the creative sector of the company to just be more, I don't know. I think when I, when I came in, it was just um, a little bit messy. So mm-hmm. to be able to organize things and get all, so as the team grows and everything like that, to be able to, make all the designers that come in feel like there's a structure. Oh, that's what I really want to work on as well, being able to just structure things really great so people don't ever come in and feel like they have nothing to do. I want to make a great onboarding process for designers, and that's kind of the goal for my next year. Yeah, you can kind of put your thumbprint on the company, like let them know, like, this is, this is what I created. Yeah, exactly. Anthony has been here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, that's a rare thing to, to do that at a company. I mean, most places you, you go in, they've got their own standard operating procedures. But because it's a startup, you can really kind of forge your own path. You can set your own standards. And then that ends up being what the company kind of, you know, ends up following. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's interesting working in a startup. Startups are super hot right now, you know. I think the best part about a startup is everyone is still willing to change, like, you go into an agency that's been set up for 20 years and it's going to be hard to shake things up where you have a small team and new processes. Everything's just agile and constantly changing. Yeah. Plus, I don't know if you want to come back to the U.S. right now. Like politically, mm. it's probably not the best time. But I see- <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have the option. <laughs> You're an Australian citizen now, though, right? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got my citizenship over here as well. You know, just kind of wait it out from over there. Kind of see what it what it's looking like before you decide to yeah. come back. I'm not, I'm not swaying you, but I'm just saying it's it's a little volatile with things yeah, right now. Yeah, totally. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> There's more people I know now. It's so funny. Well, I don't say it's funny, but certainly since the election happened, there have been more people now that I I've ever known that are trying to look at ways to be a digital nomad or something where they can like get out of the country for a while because. Things are crazy, which I I understand. I actually just interviewed, uh, <laughs> I just interviewed someone a few weeks ago, and they were mentioning that, and it's not like physical residency, but you can get something called an e-residency in Estonia. Oh. Like you can become a an e-resident there, which is not the same as being a physical resident, but if you wanted to say move to Europe, you could have e-residency in this country. And it would make it easier for you to, say, set up a bank account or set up a business. It would just sort of smooth things over, which is is interesting. I'm thinking about applying for it. It's like 100 euros to apply. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, you get like a digital card with a a chip on it. I'm thinking about it. I mean, not that I'm moving to Europe anytime soon. (laughs) It's not a bad idea to have a contingency plan because you never know. Yeah, you get a lot. You know, you have lunch UK. Uh, Hey, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I could do that. Totally. <laughs> what, what do you think you would be doing for your life if you hadn't went this route? I mean, it sounds like design, like you said, has been something that you've always been interested in. But, you know, the, the road less taken, so to speak. What do you think you'd be doing? If I wasn't in design at all? Yeah. Ooh, be homeless on the, in the streets of Florida. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think maybe... Um... You know, I think I would um, probably have gone down, not as an athlete, but I think I would have tried to work in sport. Like, I'm not sure what that really means, but I think, you know, maybe some kind of behind the scenes role in sport, um, like soccer or something like that. 
something like that would be interesting to me. But yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like, you know, you know, one day maybe you don't want to be a designer anymore. What, what would I even want to do? I'm not sure at the moment. I need maybe I need to get some more interests. <laughs> so I'm curious about this, just kind of like from a, a trend standpoint, like what is like the hot thing right now where you are? What's the, the popular thing that people are talking about? It doesn't necessarily have to be design related. I'm just curious from like a, a mm. cultural standpoint. What are people into right now? I'm not really sure. I need to keep up on the trends. I think for people like, for people, like, so the big thing for people like I'm um, in their 20s and 30s at the moment are like, like, those, like, like all those little fake speakeasy bars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that's been, yeah, so a lot of that's been popping up. A lot of it popped up in Sydney a few years ago, but Brisbane is kind of slow. So it's kind of only just popping up here now. So I think like up here, it's been pretty slow in general. So it's kind of just turning into like a really cool, trendy city now. So it's interesting to kind of see how to keep keep growing. But again, the really popular thing here right now is American barbecue. American barbecue? Yes. I know it sounds crazy, but Australia is such an expensive country that I just can't do it. Like you go somewhere and it's like $2 chicken wings. I'm like, who would pay $2 for one chicken wing? What? Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's but people go crazy for it over here. They just don't understand that all those things in America are really cheap and they're just part of American culture, but it's just it's just really trendy to people are opening trendy bagel shops and they're opening New York style pizza shops and they're opening huh. Texas style, uh, you know, barbecue pits. It's like the new thing here. Wow. Mhm. Interesting. American barbecue. That, that's the last thing I would have thought about is that because I because I thought barbecue was this. Well, I'm I'm thinking of the phrase like shrimp on the Barbie, which yeah. is sort of a similar, I guess, sort of barbecue thing. But American barbecue, hmm, that's yeah. Well, barbecue here is just like a sausage on your barbecue. Where you know American barbecue, we have the big smokers and yeah, like the wood, <laughs> like, you know, all the maple woods and all that kind of crazy stuff which they're really interested in here. Do you visit the U.S. often? I know you said your sister just moved uh, to Australia, but do you uh, come back and forth often? I've been here for eight years now, and I've only been back three times. And that's mainly, like, not... I mean, the only reason why is because... Well, it is expensive, but the thing is, if I'm going to get some time off to go somewhere, like, maybe try somewhere that I've never been, instead of going back to my parents' house and sleeping in my old bed... I'd like to come back more, but it's expensive and it's the flight is the flight is dreadful. How long is the flight? I think on the way there you end up spending like twenty one hours and oh. <laughs> well, at least to get back to the east coast of America because you stop in LA and then you have to once oh, you stop yeah. in LA it's like still like another like six hours or something to like Florida. It's just Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, so yeah. Not is fun. the air travel different from Australia over? Because I mean, here it's just it's just trash. Mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to do it to get from to other cities, but it's not the, a pleasant experience. Yeah, American Airlines—they just get you everywhere, don't they? It's like you pay for your ticket, then all of a sudden you get to the desk, and all of a sudden you owe twenty more dollars, and it's like how? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it depends on the carrier, but like even now, carriers are introducing like new pricing tiers. Like it used to just be the main cabin and first class but now there's like the main cabin which they've shortened and now they've taken some of the the main cabin seats and made them like upgraded like yeah it's like extended leg room 
Yeah, or something, and then it's first class. It was like so now there's like three classes of tickets. Like, are you serious? Yeah, it's not that crazy here yet. They're still pretty, still pretty normal here. But it's also like really relaxed in terms of flying domestically. Like I remember the first time I came to an airport to fly domestically, I'm like taking off my shoes, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "What?" (laughs) I mean, you can you can you can take through you can take through a gallon water bottle if you want. You don't even need an ID to get through. You can give somebody else your ticket to fly. It's like, yeah, so it's pretty relaxed domestically. Yeah, that's not the case here. Yeah. You know, last time I came through, though, it was really weird. When I was flying from America to Australia, I was going through TSA, and they're like, keep going, don't take off your shoes, we're trying something new. Hmm. I didn't have to take my my computer out of the bag, I didn't have to take off my shoes. Hmm. Wow. I don't know the TSA rules and things here. I, I mean, I I sprung for the the extra TSA pre-check thing only because I don't want to yeah. stand. I mean, here in Atlanta, the airport is huge. Yeah. Anything that you can do to cut through all of that, I will gladly pay for. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're gonna travel a lot in America, you should have that TSA thing. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, in Atlanta especially because it's like you get in the airport. You got to walk a, a good way to get to security. Then you get through security. Then you have to get, there's a train inside of the airport. So you have to get on the train, which takes you to your concourse. And then you get off at the concourse and you have to walk. It's a long walk to get to whichever gate mm-hmm. you have to go. To. It can be a trek. And then you're like, you get to the gate and you're like, whoo. <laughs> yes. like, oh, we've, we've decided to change. Now the flight is in concourse <laughs> C, gate 33. Like, are you serious? I just got. <laughs> So anything that I can do to cut down on that is great. Because you'd be flying a lot, like, uh, domestically. I mean, a few times a year, but, I mean, I always find that every other airport that I go to is just a smaller experience, so therefore it's easier mm-hmm. than it is in Atlanta. Like, in Atlanta, it's probably a good 20 minutes, like, if, I, if I'm if i getting off the plane, it's probably a good 20 minutes until I can get out of the airport. Because yeah. i got out of the concourse, I got to get on the train. The train has to go to ground transportation, then I have to cut through all the people and then go through baggage claim, and then you're out the airport. Whereas in some other places, you're like in and out the airport in like five minutes. Yeah, it's like the whole, um, it's like the whole, you know, it's always the running joke that when you say you have like a, a 10 a.m. flight, your dad says to get there at 5 a.m. It's probably the case when uh, you're in Atlanta. Yeah, I usually, I, I just, add a, about an hour or two to whatever time I know I'm going to have to to probably be there because and that's even through doing pre-check because now more and more people are doing pre-check because they are I guess they're getting hit to it like hey I don't have to wait in this long because I mean the the security line is it's a beast if you go at the wrong time in Atlanta it is very long and so the pre-check does help out with that but even that can be long and you have to take your shoes off but it's still not you're not walking right through. You still might have to wait about 10 minutes. So hey, you might as well just go stop and get some Chick-fil-A in the Atlanta airport. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next five years? What do you want to be working on? I definitely still see myself in the product design realm because I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm finding it really interesting. And it's just really interesting to be able to see a product grow and evolve and that, and the fact that you're the team that's doing it. So I, I definitely see myself in that industry. In terms of what I'm doing, I'd like to be, like I was saying earlier, I'd like to be less on the tools and more of, of an overseeing role. And, you know, if design, you know if, and if I do have a team that's needing a mentor, being able to be there for them and help them grow their career. I mean, 
yeah, I guess it's more in a I guess more of like a director type position. But hopefully, you know, hopefully as times change, I'll get there. I think so. I mean, it sounds like, you know, with what you're doing right now, you're on the right track. And like I said before, you have to be really strong and driven to move halfway around the world. So it sounds like if you don't have a plan, you certainly need to get one. So it sounds like that's it. Well, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? So they can always check out my website. It's velvetant.net, V-E-L-V-E-T-A-N-T.net. And then um, they can also find me on Twitter. And my handle is Antonia, A-N-T-O-N-E-A. All right. Sounds good. Well, Antonia Neighbors, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thoughts of love are And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Antonia Neighbors and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Antonia and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook designers work on creative projects that are used by over 2 billion people. 2 billion! Their mission is to make the world more open and connected, and they use design to create prototypes, shape experiences, and ultimately solve problems as well. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. Whether you need to sell your products, share some big news, or just tell a story, MailChimp makes it easy to create campaigns that best suit your message. You know your business. Let MailChimp help you grow it. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Every great idea deserves a great domain name, and Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing domains. Hover offers free private domain registration, your choice of hundreds of domain extensions, and you can connect domains to your favorite service. Ready to get started? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit siteground.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two. It really, really helps to show out by bumping us up in the rankings there for Design Podcast. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us today at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind-the-scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.